Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Thank you very much, Uzile. Six and a half minutes past 12. Indeed, Midday Live, SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Your last edition this month of August as uh, we wrap up uh, Women's Month and uh, hope that uh, you enjoyed uh, the Women's Month of August. And, uh, of course, uh, lots and lots of uh, stories coming through today. Eguruleni Metropolis warning motorists of a partial closure of uh, Jones Road in Kempton Park due to the protest action uh, by Satao. Uh, that's uh, one story that uh, we're looking at and of course what do you make of this uh, metal workers union NUMSA uh, has singled out ANC Secretary General Gwede Mandashe and the SACP's uh, Blade and Zimande for sowing divisions within Kosatu. What do you make of that uh, particular story? And of course, the National Union of Mine Workers uh, says it has formally submitted its notice to strike to the Chamber of Mines. So indeed, the striking season is in full swing. My name is Bongi Kuala. Welcome. Your SMS is 34701. Tweets at Kuala B News at SAFM Midday Live. Emails, please. Midday Live at sabc.co. To our top story now, Anglo-American Platinum says over 7,000 workers will be affected by its restructuring process. The Platinum Miner says an extensive consultation process between the Department of Mineral Resources and other stakeholders which took place over the past couple of months will enable it to still achieve efficiency within its operations. The CEO on, uh, of Anglo-American is Chris Griffiths, earlier addressing the media on the restructuring process. As you're aware, in January, Anglo-American Platinum communicated our initial proposals for the creation of a sustainable and profitable platinum business. And this was followed by an in-depth consultation with the Department of Mineral Resources. Today's announcement once again follows an extensive period of consultation and engagement with various stakeholders, including the DMR and facilitated by the CCMA, from which we have formulated revised proposals designed to minimize the number of employees that are affected by the company's restructuring. Through this process, we've been able to significantly reduce the number of mining and processing jobs affected from 14,000 to approximately 6,000, so those are jobs that are affected, while still enabling the company to achieve its objectives. As we announced on the 19th of August, approximately 900 corporate and overhead employees are also affected. Anglo-American Platinum, together with with its stakeholders, has identified a number of retrenchment avoidance measures in order to minimize the number of jobs for retrenchment. These measures include redeployment into vacancies across the group, voluntary severance packages, and early retirement. An application process for employees to take advantage of the retrenchment avoidance measures has been implemented, and the update to date has been as follows. Roughly 1,600 redeployments into vacancies across the group, 1,500 for voluntary severance packages and early retirements, and approximately 500 other opportunities. That gives us a total of 3,600 retrenchment avoidance numbers if you add those three numbers together. The success of these measures has further reduced the number of employees that will ultimately be retrenched to approximately 3,300 and the one-month notice period for all affected employees will commence on Monday, the 2nd of September. We are also actively working with our stakeholders to co-create a social impact mitigation plan, which we've called SIMP. The SIMP proposal includes temporary employment of around 1,200, 
So of the 3,300 that we retrenched, around about 1,200 employees will be temporary uh, employed for reclamation at those mines that have been affected over the next six to nine months. We've also approved, as part of our anchor housing project that we've communicated previously, we've approved a social housing project in partnership with the Rustenburg municipality and government, which includes uh, human settlements. We've approved the social housing in partnership with, with local governments and national government to build 4,000 houses and provide portable skills training immediately. So we will train of these people that are retrenched. We will train of those people. Those people will be redeployed into the contract of building those houses. We anticipate approximately 800 job opportunities will be created from this project. But we understand the implications this has for people. And we also understand that the implications this has for labor and for government. But at the same time, this company has to make itself profitable. And I think it's a combination of all of those factors, meaning that ultimately the amount of people that have been affected now that will be retrenched are substantially lower. And uh, Angler Platinum says the restructuring exercise will cost the company approximately 2.6 billion rand. Uh, as announced at the half-year results presentation, uh, the total cost of, of, of the restructuring in total will be 2.6 billion rand. Uh, however, not all of this will be, will be spent this year, possibly a maximum of two this year, but in total uh, we estimate 2.6 a billion rand, and as for the housing, so so that's that, that's going to be PNL. As for the housing project, uh, Chris has spoken to uh, that will uh, cost us of, of, over the next uh, two to three years uh, 171 million rand. The company says it expects to see the results of the process by early next year. We expect that the rest of this year, given that there's not much of this year, uh, we anticipated that um, if we can get all this done this year, then we'll be able to start getting the benefits from the restructured Rustenburg. And remember that, uh, you know, as you said, the, the real reason for doing all this was the fact that we are losing over a billion rand in Rustenburg sort of every six months. So the reason for, for this restructuring is actually to address the profitability of the shafts in Rustenburg. It'll take some time, probably till the end of the year, to get the, um, the combined shaft set up. And then through the course of next year, we hope to start seeing the benefits of, um, of the restructured operations coming through. With uh, wages uh, uh, negotiations coming soon in the sector, Amblets is optimistic that uh, this will put them in a better position for negotiations. The time that we've spent with them and, and telling them about the difficulties that the company is in, um, that will help uh, wage negotiations, and we will be in a better position than six months ago. Uh, having said that, the, the increased requests for over 100% haven't gone away, and I think there are still big expectations out there that have been created by some of these requests and some of the rhetoric about saying we demand this and we demand that. And that's going to be difficult to go back to people and say, look, you know, the company's in trouble, we need to accept far less. We will go through that process um, with them in the wage negotiations, but I think we will be in a better position. 
All right, uh, and uh, that's uh, the CEO of Anglo-American Platinum, Chris Griffith. For reaction to this now, we joined on the line uh, by the spokesperson of uh, the National Union of Mine Workers, the uh, Sishoga, but also we'll be talking to the president of uh, the Association of uh, Mine Workers and Construction Union, AMCO. Let's start with you, Mr. Sishoga. How do you react to this? Uh, good afternoon uh, to you, Bungi, and to the listeners. I must say that... Um, we we are extremely disappointed uh, from what we have just picked up from uh, the CEO of Andro Platina because this has uh, uh, clearly uh, departed from um, the discussions that we had in terms of Section 189 notice, uh, where we agreed that look um, we understand their situation; they want to do it with three thousand homes, and we said. And the first thing is, which is voluntary. All right, Mr. Sishoka, we're losing you. The, the, the line is really fading. I, I'm not sure if you want to move around just a little bit so that we can establish a better connection. Are you are you there with us? All right. Uh, we, we, we have a problem with uh, Noom there, Lesiba Sushoga, but we're going to try and get him back on the line. Uh, we'll, we'll dial him up again. But uh, let's talk to Joseph Matunja of uh, AMCO. He's the president there. Mr. Matunja, how do you react to these 6,000 uh, workers or so will lose their jobs at uh, Amplats? Good afternoon uh, and, and to you and to your listeners. Uh, look, uh, we received this news with a great sadness. Uh, because we understand yesterday when we were with the tough team of Anglo-American in Johannesburg in their offices that we had to postpone the, the consultation that was in the presence of the CCMA commissioner for Monday, reason being some answers were not given from Anglo perspective, and then the numbers were not accurate as it was. And some of our avoidance measures that were presented before management were not responded into. So for Elmo to go to the media, while we agree that everything should be said before the media after Monday, it takes us, I mean, with the greatest surprise. Mm. So... But what is it that you're not satisfied with? I mean, the process started uh, a long time ago, uh, and uh, even before you were a majority union uh, in the in the in the platinum belt, uh, you you started engaging with uh, with uh, the the mine management with the amplets. They put the figure of fourteen thousand forward. It was revised down to about seven thousand, and now it's uh, six thousand confirmed. So, what? Which elements of this restructuring process you, uh, are you not happy with? Yeah, you remember that all this engagement and consultation was with countries of stakeholders, different unions, and also with the government. But that, but that doesn't suggest that. Even that 60 days has lapsed or eight months of consultation that took place. The issue here, how do we save the jobs? If there is an opportunity that the jobs can be saved and the avoidance measures have been put forward before the employer, he has to see to it that how do we engage on those issues? Because, I mean, to simply say, yes, the tick box has been uh, completed and the PR exercise has been concluded and therefore we force people to retrench. Like for instance, 
There are workers who applied for the voluntary separation packages that the very same employer hasn't approved to date. There are workers who were waiting, uh, waiting for the buses to be taken to an A-specific operation where, for, I mean, for redeployment. That hasn't happened. Some of the workers were, were, were working from the very same shaft that they are closing until to the last day. There are so many things. There is a, a MPRDA, Social Labor Plan, mm. that suggests the processes before even you embark into the real retrenchment, which all those things hasn't been put forward. So we were saying from yesterday, let's come together, let's see how those things can be fast-tracked and see how do we reach in a way. But if the employer has decided that they will take these people down to poverty line, forcefully so. So we'll be left with no option to consult and see to it what will be the remedy from our side as a union to defend those jobs. All right, we'll talk about that much, much later when, when you do that. But uh, let's look at, uh, I know it's a little comfort, but let's look at uh, the social impact mitigation plan uh, put forward by, by MPLETS. They talk about uh, 1,200 persons for reclamation at the affected mines. They talk about uh, 4,000 houses to be built and there will be uh, skills training immediately there. 800 job opportunities will be created from this project. We talk about additional 1,000 job opportunities created within a year through investments in agriculture. Does that comfort you somewhat? No, it doesn't comfort us. We are saying no to labor brokers, and the same employer is suggesting that you take a permanent employees, you put them into a contractor. What does that tell us? Why should we not put those, leave those workers that, I mean, they should continue working permanent as an employee? It's some of the issues that we, we presented to, to Anglo. We said, how can you get workers outside the permanent employment, formal employment, and you reduce them into a contractor's worker? Why should you do that? And right. then with the issue of job creation, uh, those job creation, are they sustainable? Because we need not, uh, the, the workers should be trained prior for leaving employment. So, and what is doing, the workers, has to be trained after they've been retrained. I don't think their social labor plan or mineral petroleum development act suggests that. Okay. They, they were supposed to be trained while they're still in employment, where they will be staying, where, I mean, are, are they going to get the money to, to travel all, all around those training centers? All right. Thank you very much, uh, Joseph Matunja, President of uh, the Association of Mine Workers and Construction Union, AMCO. We had uh, Lesiba Sishoka on the line. Unfortunately, that line dropped, and we're trying to raise him again. Uh, so a network uh, signal there is uh, not uh, doing us any favors. We were hoping also to find out from Noom about uh, uh, saying that uh, they formally submitted uh, a notice to strike to the Chamber of Mines. It's 21 minutes past 12. Midday Live on SAFM, 104-107. A top story this hour, the National Union of Mine Workers says it has formally submitted its notice to strike to the Chamber of Mines. 
Looking at the markets, the sour gold is trading at $1,393.72 an ounce. Platinum at $1,512.30 an ounce. The rand is trading at 10 rand 34 cents against the US dollar. At 16 rand uh, 13 cents to the pound. And it's at, uh, okay, I need to, there's no figure there. But uh, it's somewhere in the range, or range of uh, 13 rand uh, to the euro. 21 years ago, Johannesburg had an irresistible urge to build a stage and invite the whole world to perform on it. Do you remember your first Atalas? Johannesburg Atalas 2013 is full of surprises, packed with trusted regulars from theatre and dance to spoken word and music. Atalas International Festival is brought to you by the city of Johannesburg, teaching together a more integrated city and is part of the city's 21 years of Atalife celebration. For more information, go to atalife.co.za. From humble beginnings to international opera stardom, this August, the world-renowned South African soprano Pretty Yende is back home for a series of concerts. In the August issue of Classic Field magazine, read a captivating interview with the opera star who graces the magazine's cover for the second time. For more exclusive interviews and the latest arts and culture news, get the August issue of Classic Field magazine, available now at selected newsagents and bookshops. Here in Johannesburg, motorists queue to fill up their tanks. Petrol price is set to increase by eight. says fuel price increase out of dollar exchange rate soars to eight. Rwanda agrees to build two oil pipelines for East Africa. The UAE claims oil prices are fair. In Britain, the petrol price hikes pushed inflation. The price of oil rose Tuesday as the market awaited oil prices bounced back close to a three-month high. As global economic recovery begins. FABC News, now on DSTV, Channel 404. All local, all global, all the time. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. 23 minutes past 12, indeed, Midday Live, SAFM, 104 to 107. Just a couple of SMSs coming through on 34701 from Jack Matlangu saying that how on earth can Comrade Blade and uh, Gwede Mantashe be blamed for the Vavi scandal? And this one says, Bong is Joseph Matunjwa, uh, the only spokesperson for AMCO. He is misleading the labor force. Mike from uh, Bolobedi, South Africa. Oh, no, should be Bolobedi, South. All right, let's talk matters aviation now. Eguruleni Metro Police have warned motorists of a partial closure of Jones Road in Kempton Park. That's due to the protest action by Tau members. This after the South African Airways called off wage negotiations with the striking union, the South African Transport and Allied Workers Union, saying the union's members had disregarded picketing rules and displayed unruly behavior. For more on this now, we're joined in the studio by our reporter, Kwanele Matsebula. How are you? I'm fine, thanks, yourself. I'm all right. What can you tell us uh, regarding road closures? Um, I spoke to Ekurule in Metropolis. Um, they say Jones Road was partially closed due to rubbles um, and stones due to the picketing. Um, SAA yesterday released a statement saying they'd cancelled the meeting due to unruly behaviour by Sotao members. And that's the reason for the closure, um, rubber and rubble on, on the streets, yeah. Uh, do you know the latest right now? The latest is that the police are still monitoring the situation. It seems to be calm, though. Is it getting out of hand, though? According to Satawu, no. According to SAA, yes. But um, uh, Equilibrium Metro Police are still monitoring the situation. And uh, in terms of uh, the, the, the talks, I know we'll be talking to Tladi Tladi now, spokesperson for SAA, but uh, what are you hearing? Um, 
SAS today released a statement saying they'd cancel the talks because um, Satao members were getting out of hand. They were disregarding the rules for the picketing and they also um, showed unruly behavior. So that's where um, it ended yesterday. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Gwanele Matsebula, our reporter here in studio with me. Let's talk to Claudie Claudie now, spokesperson for the South African uh, Airways. Uh, Ms. Claudie, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, good afternoon to SAFM listeners. Bring us up to speed with the latest. We see here you, you called off uh, wage negotiations yesterday, uh, citing really the union members disregarding uh, picketing rules, but also saying displaying unruly behavior. Talk us through that. Indeed, that is the case. So African Airways Management took a decision that uh, we will really stop engaging with um, Satao leadership or negotiators based on uh, observations and uh, reports that we have received that really can be characterized as uh, unholy behavior, part of which will borders on criminality. And we have since communicated to Satao that it is not until they have reigned in their membership that mm. we will come back to negotiating table. You know, we find a situation where exercise of the um, constitutional rights or rights that are guaranteed in terms of our laws. They, they, they seem to uh, be of the view that uh, the exercise of those rights translate into all manner of behavior, part of which really amounts to creating an inconvenience to members of the public, intimidating our staff, creating a situation where it will become uh, possible for our staff members who are not on strike to report for duty. That is utterly unacceptable and it is not until this has been uh, Satao have accused SAA of uh, negotiating in bad faith. They are saying, they are alleging that uh, uh, you introduced issues that were not on the agenda during the meeting. Uh, they, they walked out and, uh, and you called them back and you said, look, let, let's come back, let's talk. So wh- what can you tell us about that? I'm sorry, I need the question on that. The, the question is, Satao is, is, is saying that uh, SAA introduced uh, issues that were not on the agenda during the meeting. So you are negotiating in bad faith because there was an agenda that was set. When they got to the meeting, uh, some other issues came up. We're not too sure what those issues were. But what can you tell us about that? If they refer for unruly conduct or unruly behavior on the part of their members, that is an issue that we cannot ignore. It is the reality on the ground. It has an impact on our uh, our staff members, those who want to report for duty. There are acts of intimidation that have been reported. It, it causes an inconvenience on, on members of the public who have nothing whatsoever to do with uh, this matter that is between the employer and the union representative. You know, this, this cannot be tolerated and we cannot ignore it and, and be mechanical in our operations. They, it is not on the can I ask you to come closer to the speaker, please? Yes, sure. That's much better now. I was losing you a little bit there. Just stay, stay closer to the speaker, please. Okay. Okay. They claim that the, those people who are picketing or demonstrating on the public roads are not their members. We find it very interesting. It is both a, a, a convenient, you know, and an coincidence, but at a time when they down tools, some unknown groups of individuals will demonstrate in the vicinity of our operations. And these people are not known to them when they themselves cannot account for where their people are who 
are supposed to be demonstrating elsewhere. They cannot do that. They All cannot right. take uh, South Africans for, for granted. They must accept that their behavior, their conduct has degenerated and put us on lawlessness and they must reign in their members. And uh, in terms of uh, operations, any uh, significant disruptions? There are no significant disruptions, but we have always been forthright and have indicated those delays that are industrial action induced. And at this stage, we can indicate that from 6 o'clock up until now, there have been three delays, not even four, four delays that can be classified as industrial action induced. Other than that, all other forms of delays that are unrelated to the industrial action, they are treated and are categorized differently. FAA will continue to apologize to give passengers and customers for any inconvenience that is occasioned by this industrial action. Very, very briefly, Mr. Chadi, the, the Aviation Union of South Africa has accepted and signed a revised offer of 6.5%. Can you confirm that? We confirm that is the case. All right. And we thank you very much. Tladi Tladi, spokesperson for the South African Airways. It's 12.30 now. Let's say good afternoon to Utsile Sako with the news headlines. Thanks, Utsile. Shadow, good afternoon. Afternoon to you. I, I, I stood you up yesterday, didn't I? You, you know what, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll, 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 yeah, no, that's it. But let me tell you what's going on otherwise. <laughs> Before you do that, you, you were scheduled to do an interview with Felicia Mabuzasatl. Did you do that interview? I did the interview. Where were you? You should have listened. Where, where, where can I get a, a podcast of it? Is, is there something like that? Do there you is have a it? podcast on SAFM on the website. I'll do that. I'll, I'll follow it up. Thank you so much. Coming up today? Today we teach you how we give you, in fact, 30 ways to leave your madam if you're a maid. And we also teach you how to create and grow your own food. And then we get you dancing at the Jomba Contemporary Dance Experience. All right. We look That's forward to it. happens between 1 and 2 here on SFM 104 to 107. Thank you very much, Shadow Twitter. We'll see you then. It's at 28 minutes to 1. This is a midday live uh, on SFM this Friday, the 30th of August. Metal Workers Union, NUMSA, have singled out ANC Secretary General Gwede Mandashe and SACP's Blade Nzimande for sowing divisions within COSATU. NUMSA held a special central committee meeting this week as the Tripartite Alliance Summit is underway in Centurion. NUMSA Secretary General Irvin Jim says Nzimande and Mandashe's latest comments clearly indicate this. For more on this now, let's say good afternoon to uh, our senior political reporter, Matlata Gallens. Matata, just talk us through uh, this this pronouncement now by NUMSA that uh, Blade Zimande of SACP and uh, Gwede Mantasha of the ANC are the ones behind the uh, sewing divisions. How so? Within COSATU at least. Good afternoon, Bongi. Remember in the recent past since that scandal of Zimande by the actually broke up, we had uh, Gwede Mantasha speaking to various media and also speaking at the pop political school and also Gwede Mantache, I'm sorry, and also SACP's building demand. They're also speaking at that pop crew uh, political school last week. And remember that Gwede was quoted saying that, um, you know, the the, the FIB should not drag the ANC into the factional battles that are to being faced by the alliance, but also you had played in demand saying that the Zorindima Babi sex scandal should not derail uh, and basically, NUMSA has not taken kindly to these comments. They are saying that they, the bag is finally out, that
uh, the Secretary General of the SACP and also the ANC are part of sowing divisions within uh, the Federation. They're saying that the two positions are quite key and are supposed to be building unity, but they're accusing them of doing the opposite. I wonder what uh, what kind of uh, reaction will this kind of talk uh, really draw ahead of uh, the Alliance Summit which gets underway this weekend? Well, we, have to, we can say safely say now that uh, NUMSA will not be meeting with the SACP or the ANC at the Alliance Summit. They are clearly boycotting it, saying that um, they told Kosatu and there was an agreement that they were not ready for this summit to actually go ahead and they wanted a postponement and they feel that if it's going ahead and it's going ahead with them not ready for it, they will not attend. They're basically saying that um, if they do go ahead, uh, this alliance summit will just be simply about rubber stamping some of the policies the ANC has agreed on. One of those, of course, is the National Development Plan that has been rejected by Kosovo affiliates, especially the economic chapter of it. Uh, development plan, and they're vehemently against it, and they're saying attending this uh, summit will merely be to rumble and include that uh, into the ANC, and they're saying that it should not be part of the manifesto when the party goes to elections next year. How was this uh, summit organized? Do you know, was it scheduled a long time ago? I'm trying to arrive at a point where I understand why uh, uh, NUMSA is boycotting it. Are they boycotting it because uh, it will touch on uh, certain elements uh, on the agenda or are they boycotting it because really they're not happy with how it was organized? Remember, uh, this summit, thank you, was supposed to be long coming. Uh, it was something that was supposed to happen months ago. It had seen several postponements. But also what uh, Noom is raising is that, you know, one of what should happen is that by the time you get to summit, I mean, that's what they're arguing. It's more of a ceremonial uh, 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 summit in terms of a lot of the issues should have been agreed to ahead of the summit so that at the end it's just to tweak a few issues, and they're saying at the moment uh, there wasn't such necessary or enough discussion on that issue, and therefore if they are going ahead, some of the policy proposals that have been put forward at the summit, it will just be a matter of rubber stamping it. I mean, one of the examples that they put forward was that the NDP was accepted by the ANC Lohota earlier just last month, uh, and that that, that basically indicates that this is a plan that they want to go ahead with, despite the rejection from the uh, from the Lohoka. I mean, also just to add, you know, because uh, Nusa was basically laying down the gauntlet this afternoon, because one of the issues that said is that they have issued, they have given Kosachi, they have written to Kosachi today in terms of what should happen with uh, the investigations around Zola Zimababi. They are saying that that the executive committee was unconstitutional, and if they see of Kosachi continues with it, they will be going to court to actually challenge it. But also what they've also made clear is that they are going to a special congress in December, and they're saying that that special congress is going to be about reflecting. And I did particularly ask them reflecting on what, on whether they continue with the ANC, whether they continue uh, to support the ANC in the elections, whether they continue with Kosachi. And he basically said, even though it's early stages, he suspects that all of those issues will be up for discussions when they have that special congress in December.
got you. Thank you very much, Mr. Gallens, our senior political reporter. Let's talk now uh, to the Joint Operations Chief at the South African Defence Force, Major General uh, Derek Mkwebi. Uh, the South African Defence Force, of course, uh, he, he has said that uh, the only solution to the situation in the Democratic Republic of Congo is if there is a political understanding in the country. Uh, Major General Mkwebi was briefing the media in Pretoria earlier today. He added that it appears that the United Nations is using the Force Intervention Brigade, of which South Africa is part, to put pressure on the M23 rebels to seek a political solution for the DRC. Uh, good afternoon to you, uh, Major General. Uh, good afternoon, my brother, to you and your listeners. Talk us through uh, this uh, political understanding that you say is needed uh, so that then uh, the situation in uh, the DRC is dealt with once and for all. Well, uh, I suppose the political solution speaks to what led to the present grouping uh, of the military breaking away from government forces because this happened in uh, 23rd March 2009. Now, they broke off, then they were already integrated, then they started uh, their own rebel movement, claiming to be dissatisfied, whatever the business section is all about. Hmm. And then, finally, it was uh, military clashes, and later those military clashes have been at least uh, been supported by a political talks which are happening in Kampala, Uganda, under the leadership of government uh, of Uganda. All right, let's come back now to the latest situation, uh, the condition of uh, the three South African troops who were injured there uh, uh, during the Saturday attacks, but also generally the operation, how is it going? Well, uh, the operation uh, under the United Nations is going very well. I say it's going very well because I think uh, the government forces of the uh, Democratic Republic of Congo are doing their best at least to contain uh, M23 in its position and to at least uh, push it back away from Goma where they, in 2012, November, took over Goma. They are trying to prevent that situation. In the process, the FIB West South Africa is also part of, is providing uh, fire support to the government forces. And in that engagement, then the bombs and uh, rockets are being thrown this way and that way. And uh, in the light of that, some are falling in our own position. And hence we've got these three soldiers who are injured. But it's... Uh, more sharpener wounds, and they are stable in level two hospital of Indian hospital of the UN in coma. And and how long are we there for? I'm talking about the South African National Defence Force members. They're going to be there until the, this whole operation is over. Well, let let me put this South African involvement into perspective. Except this battalion, which is the FIB, we've been there uh, from 1999 and as part of the UN. So the FIB per se itself, and where this particular power uh, is part of, has been, according to the UN, given a one-year period. Now, whether then within one year the whole thing will be resolved, that's something else. 
whether then, if it's not resolved, the UN will speak for extension from the Security Council. That is something else. So for us, what we know, the 4th Innovation Brigade is there for a year. Okay. All right, we got you. Thank you very much, Major General Derek Mkwebi. He is the Joint Operations Chief at the South African National Defence Force. It's 18 minutes to one. Quick SMSs here. SAA must understand unruly behaviour was introduced by the very same people who now condemn it. That's C under there. What MPLED is doing is an indication that they don't care about this country, like Himashele in Matsakali village. And uh, this one says, uh, how on earth can Comrade Blade and Gweta be blamed for the Vavi scandal? That's uh, Jack Mathango. A showdown is looming between management of the Walter Sisulu University and students in the Eastern Cape as the deadline to vacate the premises nears. The university says the move to vacate the residences is for the safety of students, but they threatened to resist it uh, on the grounds that management must address the workers' demands. Kululego Nyembezi is our reporter who is bringing us up to speed with the developments there. Kululego, what can you tell us? Yes, uh, good day, Bongi. What I can tell you now is that uh, scores of uh, students are just uh, taking their luggages and leaving the institution or uh, that uh, they were to the university as well as especially here in Mkata and the Nelson Mandela Drive campus. And uh, obviously, how many students are still there? Are they, are they prepared to leave or they, uh, they want to put up a fight? Well, earlier on, uh, they, they issued a statement that uh, they will resist uh, uh, the uh, removal, the removal by the university management. Now, what I can say is that uh, all of all of the students are moving out of the university, but we are not sure whether maybe by five o'clock all of them will be out of the of the university. But what I can tell is that uh, all of them uh, will be out by that time, by five o'clock this afternoon. Kulego Nyembezi is our reporter in the Eastern Cape. Thank you very much. With that, we give you your lunchtime market updates. Today's JSE report is brought to you by Telcom Business. Convergence. One solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. Clinton Smith, Portfolio Manager at Sasfin Securities. Good afternoon to you. How are we looking going to the weekend, Clinton? And, of course, the last day of the month. Yes, indeed. Um, well, the market's uh, looking a little nervous today ahead of the report on economic uh, confidence out in Europe later. Uh, the JSC is trading low so far with, uh, with commodity prices slightly weaker as well. Uh, at the moment, we've got the gold board uh, up 0.8%. Resources are down about a half a percent. Uh, industrials trading flat and financials down 0.1 of a percent. Uh, overall, the market's down just 62 points at the moment, or 0.2 of a percent lower, at uh, 43,367. Any big movers today? Uh, trading higher today, we've got uh, companies like Grunrod up 3.8% at 23.24, uh, Basel Reeds up 3.6% at 7.99, uh, Woolworths is up 3.5%, uh, 67.29 now, and uh, Mediclinix up 2.8% at 72.62. Uh, trading lower, we've got Omnia down 2.3% at the moment to 192.06, uh, PPC is down 1.6% to 29.61, uh, Sassol down 1.5% at 480 rand. Cents. And uh, lastly, we've got Exoro down 1.3% at 162.31. And your latest market indicators? Uh, gold currently trading $1,394 an ounce, uh, platinum at uh, $1,512. Uh, Brent crude is currently $112.02 a barrel. 
Uh, we've got the R157 trading at a yield of uh, 6.5%. And uh, finally, on the rand, we're at uh, 10.33 to the dollar at the moment, uh, 13.67 to the euro, and uh, 16 rand exactly to the pound. And that's it for me. Enjoy your weekend, Clinton Smith, Portfolio Manager at Sasfin Securities. This feature was brought to you by Telcom Business. Talk to Telcom Business about getting you on the journey to convergence with a tailor-made solution. Telcom Business. Marilyn, I need a non-automated, hand-operated ink dispenser for the objective of on-paper documentation. A pen, sir? Yes. That's the word I was looking for. Using several words when one will get the job done doesn't make sense. Neither does using several providers when you can get voice, mobile, fixed, data, cloud, and IT from one service provider. Call 10217, click telcom.co.za forward slash business, or visit a Telcom Direct store and get a tailor-made solution. Convergence. One solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. Midday Live on SAFM. 104 to 107. It's at 13 minutes now to the hour of one, and uh, let's welcome in the studio Janet Wheaton, uh, or Miss Wheaton, as the Capuso would say. How, how are you? <laughs> I'm fine, thank you. All right, let's uh, talk sports. Very interesting. Uh, we talk about uh, who's going to be the president of SAFA. Koza Jordan Nematandani is out. We hear Koza has not even signed the acceptance uh, nomination, we told. So what's going on? What, what have you heard? I think yeah, I think you've all hit it all, and I think it's going to be a, be a two-horse race. Um, because as you said, Nematandani, I think that's a bit of a surprise, and I think that might have come at as a bit as a surprise to him. Take into consideration there are 52 SAFA regions. None of them nominated him. Danny Jordan apparently has got 32 of them, but that's that's fairly close because when it actually coming to, comes to putting a ballot in the box, it's going to be interesting. Kaza is also interesting because he's certainly been nominated. They've confirmed that. Mm. But what we also have confirmation of um, at this stage is that he hasn't accepted that nomination yet. He's got to give them formal acceptance in writing that he's actually going to stand. And he hasn't done that yet. The others have, but he hasn't done that yet. So, um, so is the other candidate. So, if at this stage it looks as though it's going to be Jordan versus Mazibuko, um, but we'll see what happens. We, we're hoping to get some clarity on the issue later on this afternoon. We're meeting them, um, to have a chat with them to try, to try and, um, Try and find out what's going on after they've had their meeting as well. Um, okay. And hopefully, hopefully we'll know. But the, the, the election's only on the 24th of September, so there's still some time to yeah. sort all this out. And to campaign as well. All right. <laughs> <laughs> PSL back in action after a long break, but also let's talk Pirates and Zamalek on Sunday. Yes, it's been a funny time for the PSL. The beginning of the, of the season has had a strange schedule because they played at the beginning of August and then they all had a long break and now they're playing again now and then they're going to have a long break again because after this week, um, the next matches are in the middle of September, so there's another two-week break after this weekend, which is uh, which I think has been has upset quite a few of the teams. But they are back in action this weekend, regardless of that. Swallows playing against Black Aces um, tonight. Swallows, Swallows were good last week, so um, I, don't, I can't see Black Aces putting up much of a fight against them. Match, perhaps, I mean, I'm a little bit biased, I admit, <laughs> but the PSL match of the weekend for me is probably going to be Super Sport United against Kaiser Chiefs. Um, Super Sport have been playing well. Hmm. Um, Chiefs, a little bit rocky, but, you know, class is class. You can't take that away from them. So, um, yes, I think that's going to be the match of the weekend. Pirates play Zamalek. The match is, um, is going to be broadcast on the SABC, by the way, 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Thank you. Um, I do think that 
Pirates are going to do this. I mean, you know, they, they beat them 4-1 at the Orlando Stadium. I mean, they were absolutely fantastic. Finding the net. Um, the, the, the Egyptian teams are just unsettled. I mean, the situation back home has just been difficult for them. Uh, both Zamalek and Al-Ahli are playing, and, uh, are playing their home games in, in Alguna. So they're not really at home. They're in their own country, but that's about all. Mm. Um, so they've got no real advantage from that. And they haven't looked great. All right, uh, the countries behind Orlando Pirates, of course, they're topping that group, and uh, we want them to march on at least until the the semis and the finals. All right, I'm going to swap it around. Let's talk at tennis right now. Venus Williams really must call it a day. And she says she's not going to. Oh, Lord. <laughs> she says she's not ready to call it a day yet. I'm okay. not quite sure why. James Blake did. Um, call it a day. Um, he's also he's actually only a couple of months older than Roger Federer, believe mm. it or not. But he has called it a day. You know, he's had a lot of medical issues through throughout his career. But it was interesting seeing some of the some of the tweets and some of the comments after he did announce that he wasn't going to be playing anymore. I think he's a real gentleman in 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 the sport of tennis, and there was a lot of respect going out for him. But uh, speaking of Williams, Serena, hmm, I don't think there's much competition for her. No. No, it's a done deal. The men's, the men's, that's going to be interesting. Did you see Roger Federer last night? He looked good. He looked good and he's on course for, and and Nadal looked even better, I have to say. It's going to be be (laughs) hard to call this one, yes. That's a quarterfinal. It's been odd in um, in uh, New York this week because the rain has had quite a bit of an effect on the on the sh- on the schedule. So they're not even they haven't even finished the the second round yet. So um, the the top half of the of the second round hasn't been played at all, which means Kevin Anderson still has to play. By the way, he's got some. You know, he's seeded 17th. Uh, this year, which is amazing, you think. But I mean, he's got Marcus Bagdatis in the second round. Always a tough match, even though he's fallen down the rankings. And then uh, the, his uh, third round match will, will probably be Stan Vavrinka. So I mean, it, it hasn't really helped him in getting any easier opponents. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you've got a minute and uh, ten seconds to tell us about uh, the Australasian Tour and, of course, uh, World Rowing Champs. South Africa leave tomorrow morning for Australasia. They'll start in Australia where next weekend they play against um, against Australia in Brisbane. Um, that same day, the September the 7th, New Zealand will play Argentina. That's going to be an interesting one. Australia have been beaten quite roundly by New Zealand so far. Um, but I don't think they're as bad a team as that. Um, and I think we're going to have to play a whole lot better than we did in Mendoza if we're going to be them. The of second course. match is in Auckland against New Zealand, and I think I'm just not going to wake up for that. One. <laughs> I'm just going to stay sleeping, and I'll see what happens later. The World Rowing Championships are taking place in South Korea at the moment. There's a big South African team there, actually. 17 um, rowers taking part for South Africa. We have a bronze medal this week from, from our para rowers, which was a very good performance for them. We've had a couple of finalists, no other medals so far, um, but our... Um, um, Ursula Krobla in the single skulls this morning. She was fifth in the final, which is a good result for her, actually. Um, and we have the women's pairs into the final, um, Nadine Smith and Leanne Percy. They were at the Olympics last, where you, last year, you will remember. And then the, the men's lightweight fours, our gold medalists from London, they're into the final, so there's a possibility of a medal there. And we'll see you on Monday. Thank you very much. Okay, bye. Janet Fittin with... Uh the world of sport. It's time now for Create with Michelle Constant.
The TV license kiosk will be visiting the Shelley Center entrance 3 from 27 August until 1 September. Our friendly TV license staff will assist you with all your TV license inquiries and accept payments via cash, debit or credit card. We also have an exciting competition where you can win a 32-inch LCD TV for free. For quick and convenient service with your household or business TV license, pop into Shelley Center, Shelley Beach from 27 August to 1 September. See you there. TV licenses, making a difference. The city of Johannesburg is celebrating 21 years of us alive. Do you remember your first us alive? Don't miss South Africa's musical giant, Chuma Sekela and Brazilian music genius, Edberto Gismonti. In South Meet South, an evening with the masters, a one-night-only performance on Mary Fitzgerald Square, 7 September. An evening with the masters, brought to you by the city of Johannesburg, stitching together a more integrated city, and is part of the city's 21 years of us alive celebration. For more information, go to usalive.co.za. My daughter became a professional musician at the age of nine, even if it was just for a day. Old Mitchell took her to play with the Johannesburg Philharmonic Orchestra and let her leave her dream of becoming a musician 15 years before it happened. I'm glad we started saving for her education early. We all have dreams. The only way of making them real is by planning. Contact your old mutual financial advisor or your broker or call 0860-606060 for advice on an education plan for your child. Let us join you through every stage of your life journey from today. Do great things. Old Mutual, a licensed financial services provider. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107.